The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life never be the same again, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Uh, as we get into uh, today's teaching, we're going to be talking about saved and empowered by grace and not works. And today is our final installment. So Romans chapter number 1 verse 16 is our foundational uh, scripture. If you remember, it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. This is the Apostle Paul preaching uh, or writing to the church uh, at Corinth. And he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And we say it uh, building up to today that that word gospel is a powerful word. Uh, in English, the closest uh, way to describe the word gospel is the nearly too good to be true news. Uh, this thing is uh, so good, uh, so very good that it's borderline lies. And what is that gospel? The gospel is this, that Jesus actually paid for our debt on the cross. Uh, the Bible says, for all have sinned and have all fallen short of the glory of God. And it tells us that because of sin, the wages of sin is death. So you and I were destined for destruction, and yet Jesus redeemed us. He saved us from that. And I was saying it's good news because Christianity is the only religion in the world. Uh, if you want to call it a religion, it's not a religion. It's a relationship with God. Christianity is the only one uh, where you have a savior. Someone saves you. Uh, all the other religions are trying to earn their own salvation. Uh, and it's futile uh, 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 to try and earn your own salvation because God's standard is so high, no man could reach it. Only Jesus uh, reached that standard. He was a sinless uh, son of God. Amen? And so scripture here says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. So that's the good news. That's the gospel that you need to hear, that Jesus did it all for you. Can I get an amen? That Jesus took your place to die uh, for you so that you could live. Amen? And so... Uh, the Apostle Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this. Why? Because it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. So the gospel is the one that produces uh, uh, the results of your salvation. Amen? The gospel is the one that brings to pass or to manifestation the benefits of your salvation. Uh, scripture tells us in Psalm 103 verse 2, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. You know why? Because there are benefits to being connected to Jesus. There are benefits uh, to serving Jesus. And those benefits begin to manifest in your life when you understand the gospel. Amen? 
Jesus said the traditions of men make the gospel of none effect or the word of God of none effect. So if you are just doing traditions, you're going to stifle these promises that Jesus has already paid for on the cross. Amen? You, you always have to know the why. Why? You know, and growing up, I, 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 I had an inquiring mind. I always wanted to know the why. You know, and I would go to church and say, why? Why do we do this? Why should we do this? And so on and so forth. And uh, because of that, I began to learn some of these powerful things. Uh, that is the gospel. That begins to produce life in people's lives. Uh, there are people who are stuck in religion, and they don't see any results. But those that have... Uh, made a decision to step into the gospel, the finished work of the cross, will see the power of God uh, uh, from their salvation. He says, it's the power of God uh, unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, therein the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Notice it didn't say, it's the righteousness of God revealed from works to works. He didn't say that. He said it's the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So this has been our foundational scripture. And if you missed any of these teachings, uh, I want to encourage you to go to our website and you'll be able to uh, catch up. And so we talked about the grace of God, which is also a synonym for the word gospel. It's the word grace. It's all by grace. And that word grace uh, simply means unmerited, unearned favor of God. Amen? And so you and I uh, get to enjoy this grace. But there's another uh, a twist to the story as we bring it to, uh, as we bring the curtains down uh, this morning. And uh, that twist is we don't want to be so uh, far out in grace that we don't uh, get to observe and recognize the other side of, of us taking a hold of that which Uh, God has already taken a hold uh, for us. And that other side is called faith. So grace is what God did for you, and faith is how you respond to it. Did you get that? Grace and faith do not operate in isolation. Otherwise, you're going to end up in error. In fact, all uh, Bible error is is this, uh, uh, an uh, overemphasis of one truth to the neglect of the other you are going to go straight into Bible era. So these two very powerful forces that we see in the church, grace and faith, have sometimes been taken to the extremity and to the uh, exclusion of the other. And it causes uh, serious problems. You know, I was saying in the first service, uh, it, it, you know, it makes uh, uh, Johnny Bravo type looking Christians. If you know who Johnny Bravo is, Johnny Bravo is an upper body that's so well built, but he has toothpick legs, chicken legs. You know why? Because he skipped leg day. And that's what happens when you don't realize that faith does not operate in isolation. Grace does not operate in isolation. They have to work hand in hand uh, together. Amen. Quickly go with me uh, to Titus chapter number 2. We're going to read from verse Uh, 11, Titus chapter number 2, verse 11. When grace is misunderstood and taken to the extreme, it always leads to lasciviousness. It always leads to laziness. It it leads to sin. Uh, It also leads to a misunderstanding of the sovereignty of God, uh, which produces a a passive 
uh, uh, Christian uh, walk. You know, people who take grace to the extreme, they believe God has already done it all for them and they don't have to do anything. They become passive. They just become uh, lazy. And, and beyond that, they, they just believe God is a uh, 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 sovereign, which he is. But sovereignty does not mean God is omni-control. Uh, just because God is sovereign does not mean that God controls every little thing that happens in the earth. If he did, he would make you tithe. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ooh, praise God. If he did, you'd make you come to church on time. So God does not control everything. Amen. Titus chapter number 2 verse 11 says this. It says, for the grace of God. Someone say grace of God. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So grace is available for everybody. Now I have a question for you. If the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to everybody, how come everybody is not saved? It is because everybody has to make a choice to choose that salvation which has been made available. You have to choose it. You have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and respond to it. So, grace is on God's side of the ledger. Faith is on your side of the ledger. You have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and make a choice to choose Jesus. Amen? The sovereign God blessed mankind with the ability to choose. We are what I like to call free will moral agents. We get to choose stuff. Amen? You know, when I woke up, uh, this morning, and I went to my closet, uh, I went and I picked this jacket, and I picked these clothes. Uh, I didn't see an angel with a flaming sword, a seraphim, a cherubim, say, thou shalt wear this blue jacket today, the 1st of November. No, I didn't. I just went in there, and I picked the one that I want. And to my surprise, when I walked out of the house, all of heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let me out of the house wearing a blue jacket. Just like you let you out of the house if you choose poverty. Just like you let you out of the house if you choose sickness, if you choose strife, if you choose envy, jealousy. He will let you out of the house if you choose any of that. You know why? Because God has given to mankind the free will to make choices. In fact, it's one of the single most distinguishing thing between men and animals. Animals don't have free will. Animals don't make choices. Animal, animals live on instinct. But you and I live on choices. When was the last time you saw a zebra at the saloon trying to get a different pattern? You know, I'm tired of these tribes. Can I get a check, check? No, you won't see a zebra at the saloon. You know why? Because he doesn't live on choices. He lives on instinct. The reason why bird nests have been the same design since 6,000 years ago is because birds don't live on choices. They live on instinct. But houses, we started off in caves and we went to mud huts. Now we can build 300-story building. You know why? Because we have a choice in the matter. So those who say God is omnicontrol, he controls every little thing. Man, it's a, it's a lie from the pit of hell. It's not the truth. Mankind get to make a choice. 
And it would be wise if you could start submitting your important choices, your life-defining choices to God. I say your life-defining choices because there's some things that are just not that important. You know, I mean, when I started learning about submitting my choices to God, I, I, I started doing crazy things, and I don't advise anyone to start doing that. I remember the one time I walked into Nando's, and I looked at the menu, and I said, Lord, what would you have me eat? And the Lord said to me, hey, Tafara, I'm not the one eating the food. You are the one. Pick what you want. Amen? I said, amen, because God has given you and I the freedom uh, to choose. And so, grace does not operate in isolation. It operates hand in hand with faith. Second Peter chapter number 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us who believe, not willing. Listen, this is God's will. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if you were to check what God's heart is on the matter, God's heart is that everybody gets saved. But how come he's not forcing it on everybody? Because he has given everybody the freedom to choose. And when we choose, we respond in faith. Can I get an amen? So grace and faith work hand in hand. Let's go to Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. I'm going to read verse 8. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 8. And this is what it says. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Did you see that? He didn't just say, for by grace are you saved, full stop. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Amen. So grace alone is not going to do much for you. Just like faith alone is not going to do much for you. But when you bring the two together, man, it is so sweet. Amen? It's awesome. It's an awesome combination. Grace and faith. In fact, Andrew Womack has a great illustration on this. He puts it like this. Uh, sodium and chloride when they are in isolation, will kill you. Sodium alone will kill you, just like chloride alone will kill you. But when you put them together, you get sodium chloride, which is uh, salt, table salt, that we use to season our food, and your body can't function without it. So grace alone, just going after grace, 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 it's all by grace, it's going to kill you. Or just going over here, faith, 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 and trying to get God to do something. In fact, faith people sometimes get into the trap of thinking and trusting their own faith. Faith people don't have faith in God. Most of them have faith in their faith. God never called you to have faith in your faith. He called you to have faith in his grace. And when you bring your faith to his grace, you begin to produce the benefits and the results of salvation. Amen? And so, just because God did it by grace does not mean it's going to fall on your head like ripe cherries falling from a tree. I got that from Billy Earhart. said, Tafara, it's not going to fall on your head like ripe cherries falling off a tree. No, you've got to go after it. So, grace made it available. Faith needs to walk towards it and grab a hold of it. This is why we say we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is a walk somewhere. It is a walk into the grace arena. 
But if you just focus on faith alone without the destination of grace or without believing and having faith in that which Jesus paid for on the cross, your faith becomes futile. It becomes aimless. What are you believing? I'm just believing that, you know, things are... No, no, it has to be faith in the finished work of the cross. There is context to it. The Bible says in Mark 11, verse 24, it says, Whatsoever thing you desire... When you pray, believe you have received it, and you shall have it. And the context is, whatsoever thing that is on the grace menu. Because a lot of faith people read this scripture, and they went crazy with it. They say, oh yeah, you see, Jesus said, whatsoever thing I desire. So I desire someone else's husband or wife. No, 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 you can't do that. You know why? He didn't say whatsoever thing you can come up with. He said whatsoever thing that's on the grace menu or whatsoever thing that Jesus paid for on the cross. You can't just say, you know, whatsoever thing I desire. I desire to rob FNB and then never get caught. No, 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 stop right there. That's not on the grace menu. The context is whatsoever thing you desire on the grace menu. Amen? I was saying in the first service, if I took you to uh, Nando's or Mochachos, let's drop Nando's. Or you took you to Mochachos, you know, the chicken, uh, grilled chicken place, and I walk in with you, and I say to you, hey, I want to just uh, 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 take care of you. I want to uh, buy you some food, uh, uh, but hey, listen, whatever you want in here, I want to buy it for you. It would be unwise for you to now start trying to order sushi, because the context is whatever is on the menu at Mochachos. Or at Nando's. And so here when he says whatsoever thing you desire, he's not saying whatsoever thing you can come up with some crazy, crazy, crazy thing you can come up with. He's saying whatsoever thing you desire that Jesus paid for at the cross. If you believe that, you will have it. Amen? So grace operates together with faith. Faith does not function in a vacuum. I mean, in the 70s, people were doing crazy things in the name of faith. They were walking around claiming people's houses. Oh, I claim that house in Jesus' name. Why? Because the Bible says, whatsoever thing I desire, whatsoever thing I say with my mouth, it shall happen to me. So they were walking around claiming other people's cars. I claim this car in the name of... What are you doing? I'm claiming... No, you're operating in foolishness. You know why? Because that's not what Jesus paid for at the cross. It has to be in the context of what Jesus paid for at the cross. Amen? I said amen. amen. So here he says, uh, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. If you look at this uh, coin here, you know, I gave this illustration in the first service. If you look at this coin, it's a five-round coin. Uh, it's got two sides to it. And in the streets, we call the other side... Uh, Heads, and we call the other side uh, tails, okay? And if you uh, uh, look at this coin, uh, this coin is written five rand on it, which means uh, the treasury or the reserve bank has given it to the public to say if you have this coin, you can go into the open market and trade it for goods and services to the value of how much? Five rand. It's legal tender in South Africa, amen? But it's the same coin, but it's got two sides to it. Can you see it? It's got heads and tails. And so it is with grace and faith. It's the same coin, but it's got two sides to it. 
grace is on the other side and faith is on the other side. And when you get it uh, 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 that way, when you catch that revelation that way, man, you can go into the kingdom of God and start trading for the things that Jesus paid for at the cross. But if you took this five rand coin and you grinded the other side and defaced it and tried to go and use it in the open market for goods and services, you're not going to have much success. You know why? Because it becomes illegal tender. And so unfortunately in the body of Christ, we've had people running around with one-sided coins. The grace camp over there running around saying grace, grace, grace. And they ain't trading for nothing. No one has given them anything. The spiritual realm is not producing. And they think maybe grace doesn't work. Oh, no, no. It works, but it works in relationship with faith. And then we have another group over there running around saying faith, faith, faith. I mean, the faith ones go crazy. They will declare a fast. And then on that fast, they will declare a fast on top of the fast. Because they want to do, do, do. See, faith is an action, but it's not an isolated action. It's not an action in the vacuum. It's an action in relation to the grace of God. You get it? Man, the faith people will go crazy. They will start midnight prayers. Yeah, you say, you got to do this. And then after they finish midnight prayers, they know you haven't done enough. So the faith ones go over there on the other extreme of doing. And all they are doing becomes doo-doo. And then over there, the grace people, they go in the extreme of just not doing anything. They go in the extreme of chilling out. God wants us here in the middle of the road where we are functioning in the balance of grace and faith. So your faith is in what Jesus paid for at the cross. And here's what's so awesome about the coin of grace and faith is that it comes with God's side already imprinted on it. The only missing thing is your side. And when you bring your faith on the other side, man, you can start now trading in the kingdom of God. So as it were, you can now start trading for healing, for prosperity, for all these things that Jesus has already paid for. But the coin has to have both sides on it. Can I get an amen? Quickly, let's go to John chapter number 9. We're going to read from verse 6. See, I'm a grace preacher. I consider myself a grace preacher. But I'm not one of those grace preachers that would just conveniently act like the book of James does not exist. That there is no scripture that says faith without works is what? Dead. I'm not going to act like, you know, there is no part uh, uh, for you and I to play in it. But even while I'm a faith preacher as well, I'm not going to act like your faith is going to move God. Because your faith doesn't move God. Because God is not stuck. He's already moved by grace. Your faith will move you and mountains. Not God. God is already moved by grace. This is why the grace of God is the past tense of God's word. He didn't say by his stripes I'm trying to heal you. First Peter 2.24. He says by his stripes you were healed. Past tense. Amen. I said Amen. He didn't say, uh, uh, blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is trying to deliver you from the curse and then trying to bless you. No, he didn't say that. Ephesians 1 verse 3. He says, blessed the, is God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, past tense, blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. God has already blessed you. He's not trying to. 
It's time for you to now start responding to it and start walking in it. God will always, always give you and I an opportunity to act in faith. Watch what he says in John chapter number 9 verse 6. Uh, it's talking about Jesus. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground. He's getting ready to heal the blind man. He says, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. So this is the grace in action. Can you see that? This is grace in action. Everything Jesus does is grace in action. Everything that Jesus has already done for you at the cross is grace in action. So, verse 6 is grace in action. If you have a, you know, a, a, a physical Bible, you can put a, a thing there and write grace in action. And grace in action goes all the way to verse 7. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sand. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The latter part of verse 7. Verse uh, 7 is uh, faith in action. So Jesus saw this uh, blind man. He took spit, mixed it with mud, put it on his eyes, and he said to him, now go to the river Siloam and wash. Now the blind man, it was now the blind man's turn to step out in faith. Now the blind man could have said, hey, Jesus, let me tell you something. I don't like saliva. I don't like mud. And I don't like washing. So I'm just going to chill here. He would have still been blind today. Even though there's already been made a provision and a grace for him to get healed. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, there was no medicinal qualities in Jesus' saliva. Or in the mud. Or in the river Siloam. You can't prove that scientifically. Amen. I said Amen. The only thing that Jesus wanted this man to do was to step out in faith. So every time Jesus gets ready to heal someone in the New Testament, he always gives them what I like to call a grace instruction. Do this. Now it's up to them to say, I'm going to step out in faith and do what he has said. He went to this man, the cripple. You remember in the book of John, I believe, chapter number 5. And this man had been uh, at the pool uh, uh, of Bethsaida for about 38 years, sick. And he went to him and he said, pick up your bed and walk. Now the man could have said, I don't like picking up things and I don't like walking. He would have still been at the pool, crippled. Whenever God comes to you and I, getting ready to bring our breakthrough, he's going to give us what I like to call grace instruction. And that grace instruction gives you and I an opportunity to step out and act out our faith. Amen? I said amen. And so, in John chapter number 9, we see now in verse 8, Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is it not the one who sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. And he said, I am he. Therefore, they said to him, how were your eyes opened? Again, we're getting ready to read the relationship between grace and faith. He answered and said, a man called Jesus. That's grace. You see that? A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. That's grace. So I went, that's faith, and washed, and I received. So there's always Jesus said, then I went, 
then I got, or then I received. It always starts with Jesus now. Don't let it start with you. See, if you let it start with you, you're going to go over there on the weird extreme now, and you're going to go over there and start doing all the religious calisthenics to try and get God to activate God or to get God to respond to you uh, on sympathy or whatever, or any of No, let it start with Jesus. And when he tells you to do something, you respond to that, it's going to end with these words, and I receive. The way to receive from the kingdom of God is grace plus faith equals receiving. So you add your faith to it. So in the realm of finances, how do you add your faith to it? He says give. The grace instruction is I've already died at the cross. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. I've already made my grace for provision available. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. It says God's grace uh, is, is abounding and it is available for you to make all sufficiency in everything uh, so that you may abound unto every good work. God's grace for provision is already available. And how do you respond to it? He says give and it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall man give unto your bosom. When you respond, it's going to end with the words, then I receive. Amen? And it's the law of the universe. There's a scripture, Proverbs 11, verse 24, one of my favorite. It says, there is he that gives liberally, scatters, yet they increase, and there is he that withholds more than his meat, yet it tends to poverty. The reason why the one who withholds more than his meat tends to poverty is because they do not have access into the grace arena. Your faith gives you access to everything that Jesus has already paid for. And really, it's not about resources, finances, or whatever. It's really about where we are putting our trust. Listen, you can cut it, slice it, milk it, bry it, freeze it, and then microwave it. But it will still come out the same. If you're not taking a portion of what you have and given back to God, you trust what money can do for you more than what God can do for you. You may say, oh, no, it's just 20 rand, Pastor T, it's little, it's smaller. Man, you are the person who needs to give to God because that 20 bucks is not going to do you any good anyway. It's not enough. You better take a chance on God. Amen? I said amen. Let's read 1 Kings chapter number 17. Hallelujah. Praise God. Before we read that, if you read Romans 5 verse 2, we read it earlier on, and this is what it says. It says, through whom, whom being Jesus, also we have access. Someone say access. It says, through whom also we have access. How? By faith. See, faith gives you access. There is an ATM called grace filled with all the good things Jesus paid for. And the bulk, the majority of the body of Christ is just standing at the ATM because they don't know what the pin is. Well, let me tell you what the pin is. The pin is F-A-I-T-H. You know, just like when you go to the ATM with your bank card and you uh, put it in and you punch in 2458. Man, I shouldn't have told you that one. All of a sudden, you are in your bank account and you have access to these resources, right? Right? 
It's the same thing here. Jesus has already made a grace ATM that is filled with healing. It's filled with prosperity. It's filled with peace. It's filled with all the good things. All you have to do is to come to that ATM and punch in F-A-I-T-H. Or all you have to do is to respond by faith. When you do, all of a sudden, you'll see, hey, I have all these resources at my disposal. The power of God is at my disposal. The anointing of God is at my disposal. Peace is at my disposal. But you have to get to it and access it by faith. The word access means an opportunity to enter a place. You know, when you go to the stadium for a concert or for a match, a rugby match, a football match, uh, you have to produce your ticket. And if your ticket is for the right place and the right match, they give you access. They give you an opportunity to enter into the stadium so you can have access to everything that's inside the stadium. If you don't have the right ticket, the right QR code in 2010, uh, the right access, uh, they're not going to let you in. You may be able to hear the atmosphere from the outside. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians are standing outside just hearing, hey, hey, it's a go, go, yeah. <laughs> And they're just standing outside. And all you have to do is to start walking out by faith. Just walk to, get to the gate, F-A-I-T-H, in what? In what Jesus paid for at the cross. Come on, enter in. And you're going to see, hey, listen, at my disposal are all these things that Jesus has already paid for. Man, you always enter into that place of grace, that place of peace, that place of presence. That's what my mentor, Billy Epper, told me. He said, Tafara, before you take up any job opportunity or any business or any relationship, sense, try to see if there's grace in it. Try to see if there's presence in it. If there's no presence, it's not worth your time. How do you get to sense that if it's in the grace arena? If it's outside the grace arena, I don't want it. Before we found the actual venue, we're going to move into, I think we visited 13 or 14 other places. And you literally walk in and you have a check in your spirit. You know, this is not in the grace arena. There's no grace in this place. It's not in the stadium. This place is outside. I want something that's already inside in the grace arena. And when you do that, you sense a presence. And when you make a commitment, man, you are committing, you are adding your faith to what God has already gone before you and made prosperous by grace. Man, if we function this way, it's amazing how much success we would have. Amen? Let's go to 1 Kings chapter number 17. I'm going to read from verse 8 to 6. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. There I have commanded. Notice it didn't say I'm, I'm still in negotiations. See, whenever grace speaks, it's always in past tense. He doesn't say, oh, no, I'm trying to. He didn't say, no, I'm in negotiations. He said, I've already commanded. There's a deal waiting for you. Grace has already gone before you. It's already leveled every high place. It's already made every crooked path straight. Man, when you get on that grace rod, it's straight and awesome. Amen? Just walk in it. It says, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called and said, please bring me a little cup in a water that I may drink. And she was going to get it. As she was going to get it, he called and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. 
She said, as, Lord, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. Bring it to me, and afterwards, some for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, now grace is getting ready to speak. You ready? He says, this is grace speaking. The bean of flour shall not be used up. Nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. He said, the grace that comes with this faith action that I'm asking you to do is this. Is that you will never ever run out for the three and a half years that this nation is going to be in a drought. Because if you act on that grace instruction, behind that grace instruction, on the other side of that grace instruction, is a breakthrough. Now the widow could have said, hey listen, I'm not taking you up on that deal. How many of you would say that would not have been smart? This is a good deal. You say, what? You said, all I have to do is give it to you first, and I'm going to be supplied for three and a half years? said, yes. And so she went, verse 15, away, and did according to the word of Elijah, or did according to the grace instruction. And she and her husband ate for many days. The bean of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Man, that's powerful. And that's what grace will do for you and I. There's a grace that's available, even in the area of provision. I remember uh, my wife and I were in uh, uh, Denver, uh, Colorado in uh, 2019, I think last year. We went for a minister's conference. And right at the end of that minister's conference, in fact, it wasn't a minister's conference. Per se, it was a minister's retreat. It was just a bunch of us ministers from all over the world. I think about 16 of us uh, uh, were there, you know, with our wives. And, and we were there just to hang out, pray together, and, and just share the word of God together. And so uh, Pastor Greg Moore came to preach to us. Uh, and after he finished preaching to us, uh, my wife and I both heard the Lord say to us that we must give him the money that we had, the U.S. dollars, uh, all the U.S. dollars that we were left with. It was about 300 or $400 that we were left with uh, cash because we usually like to use cash to uh, transact when we are overseas. We don't like to use uh, uh, the check card and the credit card from South Africa because it, it, it saves you a heart attack. I say that by uh, saying this, that when, when you're out there, and the food at Chick-fil-A says $20 a sandwich. And when you swipe your South African card, it says $20, right? When you swipe, the SMS that you get does not say $20. It says 320 rand plus fees. And so I never want to use my check card. You know, I just want to use cash. Because if it's $20, then it's $20. And now the Lord asked us to give uh, everything we had to Pastor Greg. And now we we're going to now go back to using our check cards and our credit cards. And so uh, I said, Lord, are you sure? He said, yeah. So uh, we blessed uh, Pastor Greg Moore uh, with that amount. And truth be told, before we left the conference, there was a couple from Canada who came to look for us. And they said, hey, the Lord just said we should give you this money. 
And they gave it to us. I think it could have been $190 or $180. And we said, thank God. That meant for the next two or three days we were still in Denver, we could still buy our food cash. You know, we don't have to use our check card, but we still had another leg in Los Angeles. And we were not planning to use our check cards in Los Angeles. So when our horse came to pick us up from the airport in Los Angeles, uh, they gave us a card. And in it, when we opened the card, it had a thousand U.S. dollars. And now we definitely didn't have to use any of our check cards. You know why? Because the Lord provided. But it all started with the instruction to give to Pastor Greg Moore. Now, I could have sabotaged and short-circuited every other breakthrough that we experienced on that trip by not obeying the grace instruction that came the first time. And I'm telling you, this widow could have short-circuited the, the amazing breakthrough of getting a provision in a drought season for three and a half years by not listening, by saying, you know what, this is the little thing that I have. This is just but the little flower that I have. I can't give it. And a lot of people stay in their place because they don't realize behind every grace instruction is the breakthrough that you've been looking for. Man, you just need to listen to Jesus more. Find out what grace is already paid for. And as you do that, you step in. Man, I'm telling you, there's breakthrough on the other side. Can I get an amen? Well, why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Did that help you? Praise God. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. That's who cool.